0: us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today my message Money Matters Real Life. You know our past as a church has had an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness as we moved forward in obedience and unity, as Joanne mentioned, to make it to this place. And now we're entering a new time and a new opportunity that we can come together and we can experience His faithfulness again. So we're gonna be looking at some scripture that has uh, both challenged me and encouraged me over the years, Um, and it happens at a key point in Christ's mission on earth. But before I go there, I want to just tell you a little bit about my journey, becoming a follower, because I think it's relevant both to the scripture we're talking about today, and the message that I want to leave you. So, I didn't grow up in the church or as a Christian. Um, it was just wasn't something me or my family was opposed to. It was just wasn't something that was part of our lives. In fact, at a fairly young age, I called myself an agnostic. But I was was interested from an early age in the big questions about the meaning of life purpose, why are we here, what are we to do, morality, what happens after we die, those questions were um, important to me. And even as a teen, um, I developed an interest in philosophy at a young age. So um, even in my teens, I was riding around on a bus, um, playing hockey all over Western Canada, and the others would be playing cards, reading magazines, some of the less than uplifting type. And I would be sitting there with my book on philosophy, the story of philosophy, many others. It's well-worn, it's traveled a lot of miles with me. And so it was something I really want to understand. What is the meaning of life? And at the same time, as a future engineer, I was interested in science. What did science have to say about things like the origin of the universe, um, beginning of life, and the other big questions that are out there? And to make a long story short, it just became apparent to me that a universe without God couldn't explain things. There was a book put out a few years ago that captured pretty well the point I reached. It's called, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And I can tell you the time that happened to me. Um, I was actually walking from my residence to the university to write a final exam and I was pondering these things, as I did a lot, pondering and walking along, and I got to the front entrance of the engineering building, and it must have been funny for anyone watching me, because I literally came to a stop, and I stood there and I went, maybe there has to be a God. And it was from that moment that my journey took a different path. So I started over the next number of years, it was actually over seven years, I looked at different religions, different views of God, different worldviews, the ways that they explained the world. And it went on for a long time. But as I think back on it now, I can see God's hand was on me. He was bringing me into situations. He was bringing people into my life who were influencing me and pointing in a direction. And none more so than this amazing woman in the front row. She answered my questions tirelessly and she represented um, her faith in Jesus Christ um, with grace and just answered my questions as well as she could and just helped me along in my journey. That's a model, I think, for what we need to be doing for others. What happened was we had to move from where we were living to a community where we didn't know anyone. Um, We were moved to uh, California. Now both Joe and I come from small towns her in Minnesota, me in Saskatchewan. And community has always been a part of our lives, being surrounded by people who know you, care about you, are in your lives. And so I said we should join a church down here, start attending a church because we need community. And it's actually something that we still believe in strongly. One of the things that we love about C3 is it's not just we come here Sunday morning and leave, but we want to build and be community for people because we believe in that. In any event, we, were doing, we joined, and I said I should do a Bible study because I want to learn more about what people believe. So I joined a Bible study on the book of Mark, and it was partway through that study that I met this person, Jesus, and I realized that I had found the truth that I had been seeking for so many years. But... It's one thing to know the truth, and it's the other to accept it. I had a problem. I'd said for years I was seeking the truth. I knew I had to do something about it. I knew that because in chapter 8 of that same little book of Mark, Jesus had asked a question that rocked me even then. And I knew, I knew it was a question that every person would have to answer at some point. But what about you, he said. Who do you say that I am? So he wasn't just asking me to accept him at a knowledge level, a head level. He was asking me to acknowledge him as God and to make him Lord of my life. And I can tell you, it wasn't automatic. I wrestled that decision for weeks. But finally, about 2 a.m. one morning, as I lay in bed wide awake, going over and over in my head, I reached a point where I finally said, you know what, it's true, and I want him. And I invited him into my life as Lord and Savior, and I committed to following him. And so he moved that night from my head into my heart. And life, real life, with him at the center had begun. So now I want to move into the scripture we're going to talk about today. It's uh, um, chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. As I mentioned the scripture has both challenged and encouraged me over the years and this is happening at a turning point in Jesus ministry so up to now he's been in a time of favor he's been talking to people he's been doing miracles and people are enthralled with what he's saying large crowds following him people are talking about him and the expectations for what he's going to do are very high but now as he's starting to confront the ruling class and the elites and the message that he's giving to people isn't resonating, resonating with their expectations. He moves from there to a time now where he's going to face some opposition and questioning. And from here on, there won't be those big crowds and all the public adulation. He's going to be spending more time with his disciples, and he's going to be pouring into his disciples before that final return to Jerusalem. So if we could turn to... Uh, chapter 6 in your Bible. We're going to start out um, in uh, the start of the chapter is Jesus is feeding a multitude from five loaves and two fish. And as he's done this, the crowd now is trying to make him, some versions say, force him to be king. So that evening, so he runs up into the hills, but that evening, him, he and his disciples, the 12, they make their way down and across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. Of course, they go by a boat, and he hoofs it across the water. <laughs> and then the next morning, as he's, he's, he's preaching in a synagogue in Capernaum, we get to what is known as a Bread of Life discourse. The crowd realizes he's gone, and they follow him across to Capernaum. So we'll pick it up at John 6.25. They found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? What a question. So it's kind of like they walk in a room. Oh, look at you. How did you get here? When did you get here? Jesus answers, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, We wanna perform God's works too. What should we do? So let's pause here and talk about what's happening. So this large multitude has heard Jesus and they're looking for him, but they're not all doing it for the right reason. They're thinking in earthly terms. They're seeking a king. They're seeking someone who can give them freedom from Roman rule and get rid of those Roman taxes. Or maybe some of them are just tagging along because there was a bunch of bread yesterday What's he going to provide today? So, I want to just take a second here, and I think you all, before you leave today, should thank Joanne, because at this point in the original full-length version of this message, there was a table, full-page table that I put together talking about everything Jesus said. The crowd responds in the commentary. Um, And my wife brilliantly suggested that I could maybe knock half an an hour off the talk if I didn't go into there. So, instead, you're going to get the Coles Notes version. So over the next 20 verses or so, the conversation started with this clear message by Jesus, that he's offering eternal life. But the crowd begins to question him. And they're questioning what they're hearing. But Jesus loves this. He doesn't back down or soften it. Instead, he starts to ramp it up with more and more challenging responses. And he ends up making statements like, eating flesh and drinking blood. Words that you can imagine would have been very challenging for your average first century Jew on that side of the cross. Now, obviously, we can see it as differently from our side as a metaphor of his sacrifice, communion, Last Supper. But the result is a large number of those disciples leave him. So picture this. Here we are in a syn- synagogue in Capernaum, and we got this guest speaker, Jesus, is at their front, and the people are listening. And all of a sudden, this crowd comes surging through the door and fills the place up. And he's speaking for a little bit, and the people start to question him, and then there's this back and forth that happens, and they start things, things like, who does he think he is? And th- they end up saying, whoa, this is a hard thing to hear, and all of a sudden this great crowd, or a large number of them, get up and walk out. You've got to think that would shock you a bit if you're, please don't do that. <laughs> but I've always been intrigued by Peter's response to this situation, So the people leave, and now Jesus turns to the 12, and he says, how about you? Are you leaving as well? And here, Peter is the spokesman once again, and in verse 68, he says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So every time I hear those words and I reflect on that, I think of those times that I've been challenged in my journey, when the doubts and the hard questions have come up and the questions are being asked. Or I'm reading something in scripture that I don't quite get why it's there. But then I remember my journey, looking for truth and becoming a follower. And I know even when I don't understand, and I've said these words many times, where would I go? Those words just encourage me and allow me to just go on in faith and trust in him. So what is the difference between Peter, and I'll call them the apostles from now on, um, compared to those who chose to leave? All of them were there the day before. They saw him feed 5,000 people, and they witnessed other miracles. But I think it comes down to this. The apostles get that Jesus was the bread of life and given freely, and the others are focused on what they needed to do for more gain. The others were looking for a resource for life, while they saw him as the source of life. Others looked for a commitment from Jesus. The apostles made a commitment to Jesus. And that's where I want to go with the the message from there, is um, talk about commitment. And along with that, it's cousin, obedience. Because they're related. And And I know that both are actually... Countercultural to our times. Commitment is not something that our culture embraces, and in fact, many people are leery of it, and some avoid it at all costs because, because it clashes with our desire to be in control of our own lives. In fact, people live in a kind of fear, avoiding commitment because they're afraid they'll be hurt. What if something turns out wrong? Or maybe they're mistaken? Or maybe it's just because making a commitment could get in the way of what I selfishly want to do. And that's exactly what kept me from accepting Jesus as my Lord between that time when I knew it was true and when I finally accepted him. But here's the point. I'm suggesting we're missing something if we aren't willing to make commitments, especially in the most important things in life. In fact, I see right now some of the cornerstones of our Society and of the church are being pulled away because of this withdrawal from commitment. You know, some time ago, I ran across a statement about commitment that made an impression on me, and I've kept it with me since. And I actually understand this. act was showed up in a Starbucks Cup once. Cool. I love getting that message out. The irony of commitment is that it's deeply liberating in work, in play, in love. The act frees you from the tyranny of your internal critic from the fear that likes to dress itself up and parade around as rational hesitation. To commit is to remove your head as a barrier to your life. Real life, full life, abundant life comes through commitment. And I can tell you as a person who spent a good part of my life in my head, that making that commitment to Jesus, that changed my life. And it's a commitment that I continually make. But it's no longer just a head thing because I've experienced Jesus and I've experienced his faithfulness and his goodness in both the good times and the challenging times. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. So Peter and the 12 could hear the words that Jesus was speaking because they had committed to following him. And they could hear it with their hearts and their spirits. So what is commitment? I think it's both an act and a state. For those of you who are married, on your wedding day, you made vows to your spouse. You made a commitment. But it's the ongoing commitment every day that you choose to follow those vows every day to love, honor, and cherish. And when we become followers of Christ, we make a decision. We will make him Lord of our lives it's the act of accepting him and that state of continuing to give him that position of Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And really it's no coincidence that the first followers of Jesus, they called themselves the way. So we don't gain freedom by avoiding commitments. In fact, I think we actually limit our lives and limit what we can become and experience And it doesn't mean we commit to everything that comes along in our life. And it certainly doesn't mean we shouldn't use discernment. We should. But that has to be countered with the courage to step in when we're talking about the most important areas of our life, our faith, our family, relationships. Is it possible we could make a mistake? Yeah. But sometimes the risk is more than worth it because real life comes through commitment. You know, as I was repairing this message, um, the old philosophy days came back. I kept recalling a quote I'd read by Soren Kierkegaard. He's a 19th century Danish philosopher who was a Christian. He said, there's two ways to be fooled. One is to believe in what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. That brings us to the other word that can be a challenge in our time and our culture obedience. To put it simply, how can we talk about Jesus being Lord of our lives if we aren't willing to obey? I read a definition of faith recently that stuck with me. The essence of faith is a trust that obeys. So we can tell you we trust someone, but if our actions don't follow, do we really? Hear me on this. Obedience is not an act of doing something for someone to get something. And it's especially not doing something to get something from God. Obedience to God is not an act of duty. Obedience is an act of love and gratitude and a response to that. In fact, the Greek word for obedience is, I'm going to mispronounce this, but stick with me, hupakoi, which basically means to hear under. We draw close to Jesus, and as we hear his words, we respond out of intimacy and a desire to please him and follow where he leads us. Becca, I love that song here because as I was sitting, I just kept thinking of, we just are sitting under Jesus, and we're just under that rain where we're hearing him as love is pouring out of us. And it's from that place that we want to respond in obedience. Or someone put it pretty succinctly, first sit and listen, and then go and do. And I think that growing obedience is the surest sign we have of growing maturity in a follower of Christ. It means you're spending time with him, experiencing him, growing in love and relationship with him. And it's from that that a follower faithfully can hear and respond. And not only that, when we do that, we know we're building on solid ground that's gonna withstand all the storms that will come, and the storms will inevitably come. And real life comes through obedience to Him. You know, we face many challenges to our faith today. Many question the basis for our faith and insinuate that we're less than intelligent because we are Christians. But be assured that we have good reasons for what we believe. And my journey has convinced me of that. And if you find yourself with questions, be assured there are answers. We don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that's supported by good reason and historical evidence. Don't let yourself be discouraged or even sidelined when someone makes a convincing sounding statement or challenging question. We have answers, better answers than any worldview I've encountered. You know, Matt Brooks, give a little wave, Matt. He led a course uh, recently called The Thinking Series here. It looked at the big questions about life and Christian answers to some of those challenges. And I'd encourage you, we're going to offer that again. Be a part of it. Um, It's a place, it's a safe place where you can bring your questions and you can discuss them with others. Be encouraged. That's what that is. When you say courage, encouraged, be encouraged. But I don't think that's the biggest challenge we face in our culture. I think it's society's messages, self-reliance, and materialism. There are things that whisper at us constantly that we're in control. Our possessions and our finances will give us what we need. You know, And it doesn't take long before that insidious message follows with the question, who needs God? And this month we're talking about finances. And I know it's a challenging subject, but it's one that we as a church need to keep talking about and addressing. And it's not because the church needs your money. God's gonna provide for us. It's because we need to be offering a contrast, or as I think of it, an antidote to the message that our society gives Every day and all week, we're all bombarded with advertisements and messages that tell us what will make us happy or successful, or that we can control our own destiny. And the challenge is, we're so immersed in it, it's like a fish who doesn't even know they're surrounded by water. I mentioned earlier that listening to Jesus and obeying Him is building on solid ground. This, on the other hand, is building on a sand that won't make it through the storm. You know, as a Christians, we've made a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord of our lives, and we want to keep him there. We need to live and give generously. And remember, as Pastor Lauren told us a couple of weeks ago, we are just stewards of what he has given us, and that is the best way to keep those message- messages that barrage us in the right perspective. You know, I'm not saying this is the only area of commitment and obedience because there's lots of other areas that we need to be thinking about these terms. But I suggest to you that if we can do it in our area of finances that has such a strong influence on all of our lives, everyone in our society, then we can do it in those other areas as well. In fact, it was Jesus who reminded us in Matthew 6:21 that how we handle our treasure is an indication of where our hearts are. So when we have an offering message each week, or as I think of it, the weekly three-minute antidote, listen with your heart and not your head. When we talk about rise and build and wanting to prepare a home for those to come, think about the people who need to know Jesus. You know, someone asked me a while ago, well, in just a few short words, what what do you think Jesus said about how we should live? My response was, it's not about you. You know, You have two choices when it comes to the offering message. You can choose to turn it off and reject it, or you can listen and look inside for those things that are challenging you and see what God's trying to show you. It really is your choice. It really is. But which of those is going to help you grow? And be assured, it's always an invitation. And your choice, and there's no attempt to guilt or manipulate. But nonetheless, the invitation, it's an invitation we believe in because we think it offers so much. Because real life comes through obedience and generosity, so I got to talk about one of the most significant times of growth in my faith. It involved a commitment around finances, and I hadn't been a follower of Jesus for long when the church we were attending was going through a capital campaign to expand, make more more room for people, and and we really wanted to be a part of it and to learn to give sacrificially. So we, Joanna and I said, we're going to pray about it separately, what we should pledge, and then we'll come together. But the problem was, we avoided coming together for quite a long period of time because both of us felt the number that we had been asked to give was frankly crazy, and we were afraid to tell it to the other person. So one night we sat there on the table and we said, okay, let's do this. Write it down, your number down on a piece of paper, we will write mine down, we'll swap paper and we'll decide where we go from there. Wouldn't you know it? We had the exact same number. So of course you know, and should I mention, this was a, it was a teeth-sucking, big gulp number. So we had to sit down and figure out how we we're going to make it happen. So we agreed to some significant sacrifices. We'd been saving for a long time for a trip to Europe. Joanna had never been there. We were excited about going, and we decided we want to give that money. But we also decided we wanted to do some other things. So we, look, we looked at our budget and where we spent money and we cut, we looked for ways to change things. And um, it was a significant, well beyond actually, we stretched beyond stretch, but we moved forward. Over the next few months, some amazing things happened and they're completely unexpected and the type of only thing God would do. I am not an advocate of a prosperity gospel, but I've also seen how God blesses those who give faithfully and sacrificially. And so here's just a snippet of some of the things that happened. One day, as simple as this, one day I was looking over the budget. This is the budget I poured over for hours. And as I was sitting here, all of a sudden, I saw something that I'd never seen before that we were... um, for one of our um, expenses. And with a simple change, we saved a significant amount of money. Our daughter at the time, if you've seen her, she's tall. She was growing like a weed even then, and she kind of outgrew our budget. Let's just put it that way. So we were literally sitting there one night talking about, okay, what are we going to sacrifice, what are we going to change so we can get new clothes for her? That evening, at that time, there was a knock on the door and our neighbors from across the street brought over a box full of clothes that their daughters had outgrown. And these are beautiful clothes. They'd lived in Europe for a number of years, barely worn. And they said, would you like these? Our kids have outgrown them. Our daughter dressed like a princess for the next couple of years. Beautiful clothes. But I'm, and there's lots of other stories, but I'm going to go to the big one. So it was a few months later that I was approached by the company I was working for. And they asked me if I would like to go to Europe to attend a conference in a series of meetings um, a number of months down the road. And they said, you can take your wife, but you know, obviously we're not going to pay for her. So I was excited, went home, we talked to Joanne looked at our aeroplane miles or whatever our miles were, didn't think we had enough, but we went online and looked anyway. Do you know that week, just that week, they had a special on that we had just enough points for not only her to go with us, but our daughter to go with us as well. And not only did we get to go to Europe, but we stayed at a five-star hotel <laughs> in Vienna. So, needless to say, my faith as is is God is my provider, it grew through those experiences. And when I think of the journey we've been through here and all the stories and the places that he has been so faithful to us, he's worth following. And I'm gonna share a little secret with you. You've got to promise not to tell anyone, okay? Um, if you come in here for pre-service prayer about 9 a.m., you'll almo- always see me starting up in the pretty much the exact same spot, right over there right by that thermostat, and I'll tell you why. Um, this was not an easy journey. There were lots of people here who sacrificed and gave, and the unity that was involved with um, the move here was incredible, but it was a challenging journey. There was at least 10 times I counted as we went through it when I thought we were, we were done, but we made it partly because, when Joanne mentioned, we'd have votes. We'd ask for people to support the next step we wanna take. We'd have 100% agreement. We'd ask for funds to do the next stage of the project. We'd have close to 100% commitment. Unity does command a blessing. But in the middle of it, we had just purchased this property, trying to figure out how we were gonna raise the money to build on it. And I came in here one night with a group. We were um, gonna pray about the move as I stood in that spot right back there in the bare cement, this place was just bare cement, as I stood there looking for it, God gave me a picture of a church full of people, their arms raised. And that gave me the strength and what it took for us to complete that journey. And even when we completed the other side and we were meeting over there, I'd sneak over here and I'd stand in that spot And I'd see it all over again. So now, I come to that spot every Sunday. And I start my prayers by thanking God for where he's brought us, what he's doing, and what he's going to continue to do. And so when I look around this sanctuary on a Sunday, I don't see empty seats. I see places we've prepared for the people who are going to come, the people who need to hear about Jesus, who need to have hope and healing and freedom. One day this is going to be full. And then we're going to knock out that wall and we're going to make room for more. You know, I'm thankful for what we're doing here. But I really don't know if I would have had the ability, the wherewithal to be a part of this if I hadn't made that first commitment to learn and see how God responds when we give sacrificially. So the message is making commitments and stepping into something, something worthwhile can be one of the most rewarding and life-changing things you can do, especially when it involves something as trustworthy as following Jesus and being obedient to him and building his church. There's no guarantees. It'll be without challenges, there will be challenges, but it's worth it when we see those lives change. So as we close, I wanna give a chance to pray for anyone here who's wrestled with making a commitment. In particular, I wanna give anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior a chance to make that very special commitment. But first, can we get everyone to stand? I want us all to find that place of rest under the Lord. I want us to find that place where His love can reign on us. Holy Spirit, you're free to move here. We're going to let the Holy Spirit linger amongst us. So close your eyes, bow your heads. Let His presence rest on you. Feel the rain, the love that's raining down. You know, it seems like just yesterday, I was lying in that bed with that great decision that was hovering in the room. All my time of thinking of arguments, rebuttals, and excuses, they were over. It was just the answer to that question, who do you say that I am? I knew the answer, and yet I could feel part of me that wanted to sweep it away, ignore it that's for other people think of everything you have to give up your freedom but I also knew there was a yearning inside of me to connect with something I knew I wanted and I needed in that relationship with Jesus I'd met in that little book of Mark and I knew what I had to say so let's just rest in there for a minute that decision to give Jesus your life is one that you've been thinking about, or like me, you wrestled with, take this opportunity to make that step. This can be your time. The thinking, the internal debate, and the rationalization, those can end right now. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand so I can acknowledge you. That's all. It can be over. Or maybe you've been struggling with another significant decision or a commitment. Something you've been wrestling with. Or maybe, right now, Holy Spirit's bringing back to mind some commitment you've made in the past, and you know, you just know, it's time to renew it. If that's you, can you raise your hand? I just want to acknowledge it. A commitment you want to make, you've been wrestling with. Thanks. Thank you. Here, you the prayer team to come forward. So we have a team of trained people who'd love to pray with you and encourage you. You know, when it's helpful when you're making a commitment to have someone to be able to share it with, someone safe, and to come in agreement with you, because power comes through agreement. In prayer, conceal that. So we want to give you that chance to share with somebody, talk and pray, whatever you're struggling with. And we want to share those words of life, real life. So please come. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is gentle and inviting. I thank you that you offer us real life, amazing, abundant life. And all that you ask is we acknowledge you in your rightful place as Lord of all. I thank you for your incredible faithfulness and for the amazing privilege of being part of what you are doing on earth to build your church. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts obedient to your will. your way that we may be part of what you're doing for your kingdom in this city let us know your incredible love and grace that we may reflect on those who need to know you in Jesus name Amen Amen thank you Gord We'll leave the um, altar open. If you have any prayer request, please come forward and uh, this team will pray with you and come into agreement. We just want to thank you for being here on this long, long um, weekend. And we just want to uh, encourage you today um, to go through those doors with incredible commitment and obedience to change your world. Amen. Be released. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.